Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning, North. How are we doing this morning? So far, so good. Glad you guys are here this morning. My name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm blessed to be able to run our student ministry and our young adults. So if you have students, 6th through 12th grade, have them come hang out with me on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8. Young adults, we meet at my house every other Monday. So next Monday from 6 to 8. But I am so glad to be here with you this morning. I have a stool with me. I might have to sit down a little bit today. I've been having the flu all weekend. So if I get a little bit, I feel like I always have a disclaimer when I'm preaching. and it's, I, I don't like it. But one thing I've known in my ministry career is I, I tend to get like, under the weather when I preach a lot, and I just feel like that Satan just doesn't want God to move. But we say not today, Satan, like we're here, we're going we're gonna to learn about Jesus today. And I want to start off this morning with a game. Is that okay? Will you play? Yes. This is not spectate, this is participate, okay? So will you play? Okay, I heard like 30%. We're getting there, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a few signs that I concocted on my own. And these signs are going to have phrases on them, all right? Well, let me tell you the name of the game. So Jeff, hit the name of the game, okay? It's Bible or Baloney, all right? So in the sign, these signs, you, it looks like something that you could find at Target or uh, if you walk into any um, house, like it, it's a sign that you could, you could hang on your wall. But what I want to do is to really help us understand, is this really God's word or does it, is it a cheap imitation of God's word? Okay? So, and here's what I, here's what I don't want. All right? If you're not sure, then don't answer. Because the last thing I want for you to do is be discouraged that you got something wrong. I'm not about public humiliation. So if you're not sure, just don't answer, for real, okay? Because I don't want you to feel like less than or that you're not smart or anything like that. This is all in good fun. All right, so let's pull, pull up the first slide. Bible or baloney, it's going to sweep the nation. Okay, first one, God will never give you more than you can handle. All right? Oh, I just hear uh, rambling. Okay, who says Bible. Okay, who says baloney? It is baloney, okay? But do you see how easy it is to be tricked? There's so many things out there in the world that seem like they're the truth of God, but it's a cheap imitation, all right? There's nowhere in Scripture that says God will give, never give you more than you can handle. I've been through a lot of things in my life that I can't handle, but I need Jesus in every aspect of my life. That's how I'm able to get through things. All right, next one. God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Who says Bible? Who says baloney? Okay, good job. Good job. That is baloney. God gives his toughest battles. We are nothing apart from Jesus. And the sooner we can realize that, the better. Next one. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Bible. You're not even letting me say Bible. Raise your hand. Come on, man. Okay, who says Bible? Who says baloney? Yeah. Who says this? Joshua. Yeah, the book of Joshua. All right, next one. Getting through. Just follow your heart. Just follow it. Who says Bible? It's baloney. It seems, it seems magical. It's very Disney-esque. But Scripture tells us that above all things, our heart is deceitful. If you live by feelings, that can often lead us in the wrong direction. Okay? We stand on truth, not on feelings and emotions. Next. Encourage one another and build each other up. Bible. Who says Bible? Who says baloney? It's Bible. Okay? And last one. 
to thine own self be true, for you are enough. Hold on, but it's got some King James words, okay? It says thine, so it's got to be the Bible. Who says Bible? Who says baloney? It's baloney. This idea that you are enough, okay, in Matthew 5, when Jesus starts to preach the Sermon on the Mount, he goes through the Beatitudes, and the first one talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Leveling the playing field that you need to realize that you're not enough. You bring nothing to the table in order to be in the presence of God. Is then you realize you need a savior. We're never enough. But in Christ we are. Okay? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Okay? We need Jesus. We need his truth because it's so easy to be manipulated by all of these ideals or these lofty thoughts that sound good and the, real, the reality in our lives. And here's, here's how the internet works if you weren't sure. Okay? You have a specific way of thinking. All right, so when you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or you're on all these social media things, the way you think is actually programmed into your, the algorithms. So the way you think, the algorithms say, okay, keep flooding this person's feed with this type of thinking, Th making it seem like you're right and everybody else is wrong, causing divisions, okay? So we constantly need to go back to God's word and ground ourselves in what truth says and navigate life from that lens, okay? There's tons of cheap imitations out there, and that's why I called this sermon today, yeah, often imitated, never duplicated. The word of God is often imitated, never duplicated. The truth of God is often imitated, never duplicated, okay? So, we had a staff retreat a few weeks ago, and one of the things we spent a lot of time on, and I, I, love, I love that we have Pastor Chad here because I think any good leader comes in and just kind of looks at everything and goes, what's our why behind that? Why, are, why do we do this? Why do we do that? And our name came up, North Bible Church. And I've only been here for a little over a year and a half. I've heard the stories, but we unpacked that quite a bit and what that meant. So we went back 18 years ago when the church started, how it was North Point, how, uh, and all of the history that led us up to now. And the whole idea and the reality of North is, and it's, it's not a new concept, but we as a church, as a leadership Pastor Chad is our lead pastor. We really want to hone in on that true north versus magnetic north. As a church, we want to point people to Jesus. We want to point people to his word and the reality of all of that truth, okay? There's a difference between true north and magnetic north, and it's, it's kind of interesting because true north is, um, it'll take you, does anybody know where it takes you to? The north pole, okay? Magnetic north, okay, it's where the compass of a needle points and is based on the magnetic pull that exists. True north doesn't change. It will always lead you to the north pole. Okay? Magnetic north changes from true north over time, and it shifts from place to place because the earth's magnetic poles are not fixed compared to its axis. If you know what that means, help me understand it. Okay? But the reality is, if you were to take true north, north, it would take you to the North Pole. If you would take magnetic north, north, you would think it's taking you to the North Pole, but where magnetic north sits right now is just a little over 300 miles away from true north. So you'll be taking this direction to get you to the North Pole, and you think you've arrived, but the reality is you get out of your car and you see, oh, I'm 300 miles away from where I really want to be, okay? And so much of our life and our world navigates in magnetic north that we point people in these directions that is not based on scripture, 
All right, and as we break into Galatians today, that's what Paul is dealing with. Paul preached a true north gospel that was about Jesus and his grace. It's a free gift, okay? But what's happening is there's these Judaizers, which we'll get to in a second, that have infiltrated the church, and they've disrupted the teachings of Paul. Paul taught true north. The Judaizers taught magnetic north, okay? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's Sometimes it's difficult to fathom that grace is a free gift, that there's nothing we have to do to earn it. And I don't know about you, but there's even times in my life where I just feel like, okay, is God okay with me? Am I doing enough? Rather than saying, okay, I stand in Jesus. I stand in his grace. I don't have to do anything. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if you feel like you need to do something, but what I love about God is when he looks at Jesus, he says, done. When we look at, we say, but I have to do. But God, I have to do. And God says, no, Jesus, it's done. All right? So let's pray, and then we'll get into Galatians today. Lord, I thank you for this time. Um, God, I thank you that we can have conversations like this. Um, Father, we, we've all probably believed at some point in our lives things that are, are not based in Scripture. And uh, Father, they've taken us, they, they've given us more of a magnetic north direction rather than true north, and Lord, we pray for true north today. I pray that your uh, spirit guides us into your truth, Lord, that um, we walk out of here different people than walk in. Lord, it's about Jesus. It's not about us, and we thank you for that, because we can't shoulder that burden. You did that for us on behalf of us, and God, we're grateful. So Lord, have your way among us this morning. Um, God, we all walked in here with baggage and burdens, but um, Lord, uh, help us to focus on what really matters this morning. It's about you. In your name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Galatians chapter 6, mm. 1, verse 6, sorry. Chapter 1, verse 6. And what I want to do is I want to read it, and I want to go back through it, okay? So it'll be along with the Bible in the sky, so you can follow along. It says this, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul has a very um, distinct way when he writes letters to his churches. He has his intro, and there's always a mention of praise or thanksgiving. But here we see in Galatians that that aspect of his letters, the praise and thanksgiving, is not even evident. He doesn't write it because he wants to get right down to business because there's an issue that needs addressed, and it needs addressed now. Okay, so starting out, I want to spend a, a decent amount in the first two verses, so in 6 and 7, so just leave that up there. I want to read this again. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So big picture, what Paul preached is God called the Galatians in his grace, and grace is um, getting what you don't deserve. And he saved them from their sins by his mercy. And mercy is not getting what you deserve, okay? So grace is the cherry on top. Grace is you get heaven. Mercy is I give you forgiveness. 
for your sins, but grace is, man, you get to spend eternity with me, okay? And now this message that the Galatians, um, the, the believers in, in, in this, these churches, they're going away from this grace message where they had liberty and freedom under that teaching, and they start to go back to the law and start to live by, legal, live by legalism. So they have liberty, and they're exchanging it for legalism, okay? Paul's beyond uh, frustrated, flabbergasted, cattywampus, all of those weird words that kind of sound like that, all right? He's blown away that he was just with these people, preached to them, and rather than be encouraged, he hears what's going on, and he's frustrated. They're in the process of turning away from Jesus to go back to the law, okay? The Greek word that Paul's referring to is this word, oh, I'm going to mess this up, okay? Metatissithi, all right, which is a term of military desertion. So what he's looking at is like, you guys are jumping ship. You're abandoning this message, all right? They're in the process of turning away. They're not fully there yet. So Paul wants to reel them back in and really focus on the grace of God. So how did this happen? Like I said, there's these Judaizers, these false teachers that started to infiltrate the church. And all a Judaizer is, it's they live to Jewish customs. They obey the law of Moses, the over 600 laws of the Old Testament. And they basically tell the Galatian church, they're like, hey, this Jesus message, it's awesome. But if you really want to be in right standing with God, you have to uh, observe the law. And really, guys, you need to go get circumcised. You need to go back to observing and obey so that way you can show that you are truly right with God, okay? Um, which is so counterproductive to the gospel that, that uh, Paul preached. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the way. It's, it's with me. Oh, and by the way, you have to do this, 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 over 600 things. Jesus never said that. So these new believers are susceptible to the lies of the enemy as they are, Paul's gone. His message that he preaches is still there, but you have these people coming in and saying, no, you've got to add this. That's how you're really going to know that you're right with God. That's how salvation is truly made complete, is if you have Jesus and. Okay? That's not our Bible. Grace is a free gift that gives us the opportunity to be with the Father for all of eternity. It's this simple. It's Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not an and. So if there's any part of you that is adding an and to your gospel, then that is not a real gospel, okay? So the Galatians started to go to a different gospel, all right? They're turning away from Jesus, which this is interesting to me. They're turning away from Jesus, who's a person. They're turning away from this man that, that sets them free, that makes them complete, that makes them whole, and they're turning to an idea, turning away from a man to an idea, taking their eyes of what, off of what Jesus did and focusing on what they can do. Man, the, the freedom that we have in Jesus that we can fix our eyes on him, that all gets taken away when we shift the focus off of him and onto ourselves. Why on earth would we take that? Why on earth would we take our eyes off Jesus and put it on ourselves when we're broken? When we realize, well, you need to understand you're not enough. You're not enough. You need Jesus in your life. The message is always about Jesus. It's not about you. And if you're making it about you, then I would encourage you, get 
spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time in his word and get back to the place where you make it about him. God says, done. He doesn't look at you and say, go, do, perform, perform, perform. I asked Aaron to sing that song, Come Thou Fount, one, because it's, it's my favorite song. But that aspect where it says, prone to wander, pro, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Like, that is the reality of every person. It would be awesome if you could wake up and say, man, I just choose Jesus. Every second of this day, I choose Jesus. That's what our heart says. That's what we hope to say. But Paul puts it in such easy terms to understand. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote a third of our New Testament. When he's talking in Romans 7, he talks about uh, the battle of the spirit and the flesh, that every day you're in this battle. The flesh, the flesh battles with the spirit, spirit battles with the flesh. And Paul says, I don't get it. What I want to do, the things I want to do, that's not what I end up doing. I end up doing the things that I hate. I end up doing the things that I don't want to do. So choosing Jesus Choosing to fix your eyes on Jesus is a moment-by-moment decision to die to yourself, to live in and stand in the grace of Jesus Christ every single moment of every day. And it's so important that we anchor ourselves to that person, not to the idea, to the person of Jesus, and we anchor ourselves to the Word of God. Those 66 books inspired inspired by and written by God that we anchor our reality into. If we don't do that, then those six things that I put up there, it's so easy if we say, man, that that sounds really good. That's not based in scripture, but you know what? That sounds really good. That sounds really easy. And you know what? It sounds close enough. It sounds close enough to true north. But if you're living in magnetic north and you have a destination to get to, remember, you're still 300 miles away from where you actually want to get to. All roads don't lead to the same place, folks. They don't. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not Jesus and, okay? So what about works? Like, are we supposed to have works? What, what, what part do they play in my life as a Christian? Which means little Christ, which means little Jesus, which means we're an extension of Jesus's ministry here on earth. And as a disciple, one who hears the word of God, obeys the word of God, and is supposed to share the word of God, works do play a role in our life. Okay, we do works because we're saved. We don't do works to be saved. There is a huge difference. It wouldn't make sense if we accept Christ's lordship in our life, but yet we continue to live the exact same lifestyle that we did before we made that decision. We're new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. It is no longer us who lives, but it is Christ who lives in us and through us to do the will of the Father. We get to continue and partner with the ministry that Jesus started. He led by example for us to follow, how to love, who to love, right? That's our works, okay? Um, Scripture's clear in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace, by grace, what Paul emphasized, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. So if you ever have questions, you ever questions, read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, and the, the translation for workmanship in the Greek is actually masterpiece. So you think about a masterpiece, somebody who is a master painter that, that every little brush stroke matters. 
And they're so meticulous with each brush, brush stroke. And they take a step back and say, no, that one's not done. This, one, this one's not done yet. I want to perfect this area, perfect that area. Then they stand back and go, it's complete. That's how God made you, that you're his masterpiece. Handcrafted by the creator that you're exactly how he wants you to be. We're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why? Because God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every single day you have an opportunity to live out the gospel message and, and, and uh, continue the ministry that Jesus started. And the Spirit leads us into these works, but the reality is it's about you being sensitive and obedient to the Spirit's leading. We don't always get it right. I don't always get it right, but I'm still covered in God's grace. And by His grace and mercy, I can still go to the next situation and say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want these works. I want to show your character I want to show your character, God, to the world that desperately needs to see it. Works again, James 2, 17 through 20. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So once again, works should be a part of every believer's daily life. But we do it because of who we are in Christ, not to try to earn anything from him. Last thing I'll say about this, Matthew 25, 35 through 40, Jesus is talking about the final judgment day when he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he says this, When I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. These seem like works to me that if somebody's hungry, you have to do something in order to, to meet their need. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So when we show hospitality, when we meet somebody's need, when we provide something. Those are the works that God prepares for us, and we're doing it just as unto the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, not to earn anything, but to show that you've crossed from death to life, that you're an active participant in this ministry that God has for us of bringing redemption back to humanity. God works through all of these things. The doing comes from becoming like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's role is to change us to be like Jesus. That's the new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Okay? Uh, the, the covenant we now have with Christ, uh, with God through Christ, isn't based on the 600 and some laws. They rest on two things, loving God and loving people. Okay? And love is a verb. You do love. You show love. The end of verse 6, it says, you're turning to a different gospel. And then verse 7, he says, not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Well, what is the gospel? Pastor Chad uh, shared that last week, and it says the, the gospel is the good news of God's redemption of sinful humanity through the life, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's good news. That's the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. It means you can't save yourself, but God loves you enough to step in, send his son to die in your place so that you could have a relationship with him. So when he says different gospel, and when he says there's another one, it's important that you understand what Paul means by these two words because there's a distinction between the two of them. Um, the difference is that you're turning to a different gospel, and another, he's saying you're turning to another gospel. 
What Paul's saying here is that there isn't a different gospel. There isn't another gospel. There is only one gospel that has the power of God to save, and that's through Jesus Christ. Okay, what was being taught in Paul's mind that he's like, that's, we're, not in the same, we're not in the same category. You're, complete, you're preaching a completely different message. Okay, you still has Jesus in it, but when you add the works to it, we're not even in the same hemisphere. All right, that's a completely different message that you're getting these people to believe. Okay, the Judaizers, they're infiltrating the church. So what they do is they go in and they're looking to distort, or the word is pervert, and that word is only used three times in the New Testament. And what it means is, in the, in the Greek, the translation is to cause a change in state or a condition or change or alter. So they're not even looking to add to the gospel. They're looking for these Galatian believers to abandon it and go to a different one. And that's what Paul is bringing up. There's not a different one. There's not another gospel. There is only one way to be saved, and it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, another way to say pervert is reverse. And so you could say that these Judaizers wanted to reverse the gospel of Jesus Christ. So no wonder Paul is up in arms and completely upset when he preached and these people received the message of grace, and now it's totally being taken away from them. And now they're saying, well, i got to do this, 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 and this to be in right standing with God. So that's why Paul's writing this letter with urgency, okay? Sorry, one sec. To the Judaizers, the gospel plus the law equals salvation. But the reality is, if, if the gospel has human effort attached to it, that is no gospel at all. When we bring ourselves into the equation, we take away the good news. When we bring ourselves into the equation, it becomes bad news because we're broken. When we add ourselves, it leads to frustration, disappointment, guilt, shame, failure, the list goes on and on because we can't do anything to be in right standing with God. It is only through who? Can we say his name one more time? Jesus. There's power in that name, okay? Above all things, we, we need Jesus. We need to become like Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit. All right, and what I think is interesting is these are younger believers that Paul is with and then he goes away from. But I think it's a good reminder to us that our minds are fragile and they're susceptible to the schemes of the enemy. All of us. It doesn't matter if, you're, if, if you've been a Christian for one day or however many years, okay? We're all susceptible. Don't stand on your own strength or knowledge. Stand on the wisdom of of God. Satan loves nothing more than to disrupt what God is doing. And I, I guarantee when God is moving, Satan sees that and he's getting his armies ready to go attack what God is doing. One thing I always tell people when they're getting baptized is you're putting a bullseye on your back because you're taking ground for the kingdom of God and there's an enemy that does not want that to happen. So it is vital that we anchor ourselves in the truth of God. So often salvation becomes this one-time decision and then just continued uh, continued life choices that might change a little bit, but we kind of anchor ourselves in while I'm in a Bible study, I go to church, okay? You have to discipline yourself to know the word. You have to discipline yourself to know the word of God, to know what it says, okay? Verse eight, but even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, 
As we have said before, so now I say again, if, and he says it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So what Paul does is he raises this highly unlikely hypothetical case to help the Galatians understand the seriousness of how the gospel is being perverted and how, um, how set apart the true gospel really is, okay? So he says, if we or he, Paul is an apostle, one who is sent to, to deliver the message of the gospel, or an, even an angel, a messenger from heaven, okay? These two people with, with uh, well, an angel and, and a person that have highly respected track records, okay? Even if we would pervert the gospel, okay? Let him be accursed. And the word for accursed is amethia, which means to be eternally condemned. So it's not a slap on the wrist for people who are preaching a false gospel. It is eternal condemnation is what is Paul saying. And he's rightfully so. We're talking about a life and death situation here for eternity, okay? The gospel of grace with Jesus is true, absolute north. The gospel of grace plus works, it seems like it's true north, but what it does, it diminishes what Jesus did on the cross, it totally takes away from the deity of Christ and adds you to the equation, so it's a magnetic north. It seems like it's right intact with it, but if you're going to heaven and there's only one way to get there, and you're, you think you're in the right direction, but you end up 300 miles away from the gates to heaven, that's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad time, okay? So what God says matters. What God's word says matters, okay? Do you want to take chances? I don't. I want to stand in the reality of what God's word says. In verse 9, Paul expands on his thought and reiterates the harsh reality that if anyone is preaching a gospel contrary to the true gospel, let him be eternally condemned. Okay? Life and death. We're all in this situation. Like I, I asked this question, um, but I'll just, uh, I'll just ask it. Raise your hand if you know somebody right now, if they were to pass away. Odds are you don't know their heart. Okay? Only God does. But based on what you know about them, how many of you know somebody that probably isn't going to go to heaven? Okay, so we're talking life and death in the lives of people that we know in our daily lives. It's important that we point them to true north, to Jesus Christ, not some cheap imitation. I understand that when you, be, when you have authentic conversations with people, it might be uncomfortable. You might not want to offend them, but I will say, it's worth telling them the truth. Every single time, if you really love people, you will tell them the absolute truth. Cushioning things so they, they don't get offended does not help anybody. It might hinder your relationship, I understand that, but what is the most important thing for us? It's to point people to Jesus Christ. Let God be God, we are messengers. Carry the message, okay? So Paul once again is saying that anyone pulling anyone away from the true north gospel deserves God's eternal judgment. And like I said, he's right. The Judaizers are challenging the cross. They're taking away from what Jesus did, and they're basically saying it wasn't sufficient. Yeah, it's great he died, but you still got to be in right standing with God by being circumcised and obeying the law. Okay, what Jesus did isn't quite enough. So now the people are getting confused, and if you take the cross out of the equation— Salvation depends on us and Jesus. So we're saying Jesus did his part, but now we have a part to play where we can't think that highly of ourselves. We need Jesus, and God made a way through Jesus, okay? 
once again, it is so important we're grounded in the truth and we convey the real, true north truth to people. So a couple things I want to add. If you're not standing on God's truth, if you're not filling your life with God's truth, then you are being infiltrated with the lies of the enemy. And the longer you go without filling your life with the truth, the more rational the lies of the enemy start to sound. So when was the last time you spent time in God's word? When was the last time you really spent time in God's word? The enemy's lies are all throughout our culture. They're not even hiding anymore. Okay, it broke my heart. I went to the pool the other day with my family, and there was a gentleman, no judgment, but there was a gentleman there that had a shirt for um, a satanic school that he went to. I just thought it was so interesting. And, you know, for a second, I got frustrated. I was like, oh, why do you wear that? And I'm like, well, I wear my Jesus shirts where I go. Like, I, I found myself getting angry, and I've said this before. Like, I stop looking at people as bad and good. I want to look at them as lost and found because that, that changes how you approach people. But in that moment, my flesh won for a second, and I had to pray about it. But Satan isn't hiding anymore. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And are we okay with it? What are we doing to convey the true north message of the cross, the grace, the love, the relationship of Jesus. Okay, what we've done in our culture, we've traded wisdom for knowledge and knowledge for information. I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it again because it's so relevant in our culture today. We think that we, we read something once, and then we think we have knowledge about that thing, and then we'll go spread that thing to other people like we've done research on it. Okay, so we, we claim information as knowledge, and we claim knowledge as wisdom, and then wisdom gets completely thrown out the door. And wisdom is what we do with the things that we know with the heart of God, how we respond to the things that are around us and the way God would respond to those things, okay? And the reality is our human nature is, is, is to be pretty lazy. It is. We rely on human reasoning. We rely on each other's words. We rely on... Um, our, our social media devices, and if it sounds good, that's what we hang our hat on, okay? And if it sounds close enough to the Word of God, then we won't even think anything of it. We won't open our Bibles to say, does this measure, how does this measure up to God's Word? We just kind of take it for granted, okay? We have to discipline ourselves to know the truth, because the lies are out there. The lies are out there, and we are starting to believe them, and if we're starting to believe them as followers of Jesus, what's the rest of the world starting to do? So put the time and effort in. Put the time and effort in to know the word of God so that way you can stand on the word of God. So when the lies come, you're on solid ground, not shifting sand. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What does light do? Light exposes darkness for what it truly is. When your kid comes down screaming and crying one night when there's a monster in his room, what do you do? You turn the light on to show it's a t-shirt hanging over a vacuum cleaner, right? But what, so is the word of God showing darkness for what it truly is in the world? And what I mean by that is how do we do that? We take the things we hear, we take the things we see, and we open God's word and say, how does this compare? And if it doesn't compare, if it, if it doesn't line up, then it's not truth, it's not truth. And we live by truth. We stand on truth. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, familiar, familiar passage. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living, and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What's it sound like? Walk out the door. Sounds like the world we live in. And we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I don't think that time's coming. I think it's here. And I'm, I'm so not like, I, I, I talked to my grandma and she'd be, uh, how, how long is God going to allow this to happen? How much longer? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, if you ask me, is there, are there signs that, that Jesus is coming back? Absolutely. Okay? But that shouldn't change. Well, if anything, it should give us more urgency about how we approach life, about how we approach people. But don't get caught up in that. Just live your life in light of the gospel. Don't be afraid of it, okay? It's truth, but just live. Just live your life in light of the gospel. Have urgency to share the truth with people, okay? So one thing I want to do is how do you know you're, if, if you're wandering off into myths? How do you know you're listening to false teachers or false teachings? And you're going to want to write this down because Pastor Chad asked me this question a couple weeks ago, and he gave me this um, formula that I was like, oh, that's so good. It's so good. So um, it's called the Mathematics of the Gospels. It's going to be on the screen. And there's four aspects to the Mathematics of the Gospels. And if you hear some type of teaching or some new lofty way of thinking, all right, ask yourself these questions. Add. Is something added to God's word? During the Reformation, there, there became this um, quote called Sola Scriptura. And what that means is scripture alone, meaning the scripture alone is enough to give what every believer needs to live a godly life. And the reality is God's word is God's word. You don't add to it. You don't subtract from it. You don't manipulate it. You don't take it out of context. Okay? You let God, God's word be God's word. If you add something to the Bible, then you're manipulating God's word. Subtract. Take away from the deity of Christ. And that's exactly what the Judaizers were doing. They were saying... Jesus' Jesus's, uh, death, burial, and re resurrection wasn't enough. Now you have to do something about it. So taking away from what Jesus did. Multiply, multiply the works of salvation. Once again, what the Judaizers did. And then divide. Is what is being taught, is it dividing the body of Christ? God wants unity. That's one of Jesus's, like, Jesus has the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, but then he also has a prayer where he talks about how he wants the body of Christ to be one as he and the Father are one. To me, that's the real Lord's Prayer because that's Jesus's heart is that all of us believers would be united in the same heart that God has with the Father, okay? Does that make sense? So write this down somewhere. Put it on a mirror, put it on a, a post-it note, so that way as you go throughout your day, if you're hearing things, maybe, it, maybe it'll be an encouragement to you to get in the Word and ground yourself more in the Word, okay? Verse 10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. It's kind of an interesting way to, to jump in this letter where Paul goes, and why did he even say this, okay? The Judaizers were accusing Paul of preaching a grace-centered gospel in order to gain followers. Theirs had works tied to it. Paul's was like, no, grace is a free gift. So the Judaizers were like, you're making it easy. Of course people are going to follow you. That's more compelling, okay? So they were saying that Paul weakened and watered down the gospel, taking out the law, all right? How many of you guys are people pleasers? Anybody? Raise your hand high just to please me. 
No. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Listen, Paul's heart, he was not out for the approval of man. If he was out for the approval of man, he would have stayed a Pharisee. Definitely would have stayed a Pharisee. He was out for the approval of his heavenly father. He didn't let the opinions of others drive his ministry or deter him from ministry or how he preached his message. And here's something. If you have God's approval, why do you need anybody else's? If you have God's approval, why do you need anybody else's? And what I mean by that is not like just go offend people. What I mean by that is deep down, if you're a people pleaser, or if you struggle with that, so worrying about what other people think of you, at your core, knowing that you are God's child, that should be the most important identifier. That is our identifier. We don't need anybody else's approval, okay? Is Jesus enough for you? If every, if every person was taken away from you, is Jesus enough for you, okay? Um, our aim as disciples is holiness, not happiness. Holiness, not happiness. If you're just trying to keep everybody happy around you, you'll stop pursuing holiness and you're just going to live trying to keep people off your back from being angry at you because your, uh, your relationships are more horizontal than vertical, okay? This, these relationships are second to this one. This relationship affects these relationships. It shouldn't be the other way around, but so often we navigate life the other way around. We allow these relationships to, to have so much more weight than this relationship, okay? If you look at Paul's life, he was all about this relationship first. Absolutely. That's why he's like, man, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not looking for the approval of man. I'm a servant of God. When I'm up here, when Pastor Chaz up here, when Wes is up here, my, speaking for myself, my main goal is to preach holiness over happiness. Now, I don't get up here with the hope that I'm going to offend somebody or upset somebody, but I understand that that comes with the territory of being a public communicator. There are things that I might say sometimes that might hit you the wrong way, strike you the wrong way, or I can manipulate words to make you say, oh, that's really catchy, Brent. That's really great. That's not my goal. That's not any of our goals. We want to convey the message that God has for us every single Sunday, Wednesday night, whenever we teach. When I was younger in ministry, I had, a, I had a leader in my life that he poured a ton of time into me, ton of time into me. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. But as I got older, what I started to find is that he was trying to make me a mini him and how he navigated things and how he uh, did ministry. And we're, we're made differently. So as I started to preach more, um, we would spend time together and I would be critiqued and things like that. And it really got to me. So for a, a, a little short time in my ministry career, I wrote lessons in fear of how I was going to be critiqued. And it totally drastically changed how I preached. And it wasn't good. I'm not proud of that. I learned a valuable lesson Okay? But what I've come to the realization in my life is I want to unapologetically preach the word of God. Okay? And guess what? The gospel message, it's offensive. It's offensive. So you don't go out to offend people, but you have to have enough understanding that if it does offend somebody, okay, that's just part of what it is to follow Jesus. All right? To tell somebody, hey, what you believe is wrong. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You needed to die to yourself. You're not good enough, okay? People would be like, hey, fella, that's not nice. Like, it's just the reality of life, all right? But holiness 
over happiness. That's God's heart. That's Paul's heart, okay? Don't be afraid if people are offended, and don't change your message. Listen, I've only been in ministry 15 years, but it has drastically changed in 15 years for me. So what I've found is that sometimes the methods change, but we cannot change the message. We cannot change the message to make people happier or whatever it is. The message of the cross is the message of the cross. It's God's good news to everybody who will believe. And that's the message we get to carry, okay? So here's what I want you to think about as we close up. The first one is, is Christ's work enough for you? Is the work that Jesus did on the cross, is that enough for you? Or have you been adding to it? Do you feel some sort of heaviness that if you haven't, if you haven't read your Bible in a while, maybe you missed church for a couple weeks in a row, that you carry this guilt with you? that all of a sudden you have to go to the next 15 Bible studies just to make sure God, God is happy with you, okay? Because that's not the message of God's word. So what have you been adding to it? What have you been subtracting from it? Is Jesus and the work he did on the cross enough for you? Are you living in liberty, which is freedom, or are you living in legalism, which is the law, okay? Go back to the idea of why we do works. We do works because we're becoming like Christ, because it shows that we've crossed from death to life, okay? Number two, is scripture your ultimate authority? When you hear an idea or a new lofty way of thinking, do you test it against God's word? Or do you just take it for, do you just take it for what it is? I would encourage you, start testing things to see if they line up with the heart of God. And if they don't, if they don't, this is where Christ's lordship comes into your life. But Brent, I like what it says. What does God's word say about it? Have you submitted to Jesus as your ultimate authority? If you have, then you're going to live that way. Even if it sounds so fantastic. And three, as an image bearer and a carrier of the gospel, which is the power of God to save, am I leading people to true north or magnetic north? Am I, leading to, am I, am I striving for holiness or happiness when I'm conveying the truth of God's word to people. It comes down to Jesus. I love that I got to preach on this this morning. Um, Dale pointed that out to me. Where'd you go, Dale? I don't even know where she's at. Is she gone? Is she? Hi, Dale. <laughs> she's out. But Dale's like, this is right up your wheelhouse. Because in students, I'm, I'm doing a series called Just Give Me Jesus where if everything's taken away from you, like the question I asked, is, is Jesus enough? I think every believer needs to ask themselves that question daily so that we can live and stand in the grace and the goodness of God, his mercy, his love. So I'm, I'm glad that I got to preach on this, but it, it comes down to Jesus. The way to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. No added, no subtracted. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, understanding that you can't save yourself, and he died on the cross for your sins in your place, died a sinner's death. But then also, that lordship, I surrender who I am. God gave me my life. I'm going to give it right back to him and say, God, here I am. You created me. I, I believe what you did for me, and I want to submit who I am for what you have for me. When you make those decisions, then you become a little Christ. And the next step for you is understanding what it means 
to live by the Spirit, to walk in light of the truth of God's word. Sanctification, which is just a big, long word that means to become holy, like Jesus. Not in perfection, knowing we can't reach that, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we become more like Christ. And we do the works because we become more like Christ. And I know last week we had an altar call, but if last week you heard, the, heard Pastor Chad's message and it's still, been on, it's still been on your mind this week, then here's another opportunity. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, then, um, Aaron, you got one more song? Yeah, you can come on up. Thank you. Man, I would encourage you during this song, just spend some time with the Lord. If you have those kind of uneasy feelings where you're like, what's going on? Just ask God, what are you saying to me? God, is this, is this you? All right. And I would encourage you, Pastor Chaz over there, I'll be in the back during this song. If you want to come have a conversation, and if you want to give your life to Jesus today, give your life to Jesus today. You don't have to do any, any, anything magical. It's just coming to a place where you realize, I'm not enough, but yet, God, you love me enough to give me Jesus. And I want to deny myself. I want to die to myself daily so I can be alive in this beautiful chaotic life, and I can have Jesus lead me on the greatest adventure that you'll ever go on. Man, if, if, let me tell you my story. I'll tell you my story. Let me introduce you to my Jesus that I met, okay? Jesus was just a figure until one point you came face to face with him, and I always say when you meet Jesus, like real Jesus, then everything changes. So if you want to meet that Jesus today, you can. I'll be in the back. Pastor Chad will be up there, but let's pray. God, I pray you keep moving. Lord, whatever you're doing this morning, I know that how Satan works, he's trying to bring doubts. He's trying to bring fear. He's trying to bring what ifs. But God, Satan has no place with us. So Lord, we, we, we cry out Jesus, knowing that his name, the demons flee. We know that in the name of Jesus, there's power, there's freedom. So, Lord, continue to have your way this morning. Break down walls. Continue to help us become more like Jesus so that we, we can do the ministry of Jesus. Not to earn your favor. Spirit, remind us that we are free from all of that. But, God, I love how Paul says, should we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? And by no means. God, we've crossed from death to life. We've went from darkness to light. And we thank you for that. So, Lord, Give us passion for your word, for your truth, for people. God, that we would convey the gospel. We would point people to true north, not some cheap imitation. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's your name we pray. All God's people said. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.